Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Alcoholisms, the podcast about alcoholism, alcohol abuse, sobriety recovery, and all things related to. My name is Tara. I am one of your co-hosts, and as always, I am joined by our other co-host, my lovely dad, Dan. Hello, Dan. Dad. Dad. Hi, hi Tara. Hi, Dad. Hi, okay. Hi, Dad. <laughs> so today, uh, on episode number five, we have decided to talk about... Um, the struggle of facing up to alcoholism or alcohol abuse or like whatever you consider yourself. Um, just the struggle of facing up to the fact that alcohol is an issue in your life because it can be really hard to decipher that, especially, you know, in the society we're living in today. And we'll get more into detail. But um, yeah, I like how dad kind of encapsulates this. So I'm going to hand it off to him and let him kind of give us encapsulate the and I'm going to let you encapsulate it. Encapsulate yeah, it. Well, it's like we've talked about many times before. I mean, I don't think there is a more important topic or related to alcoholism and all the things that we talk about in that realm. I don't think there is a more important topic because anyone, no matter who it is, until you reach a point where you can say to yourself, much less the rest of the world, that I have a problem here and it's something I need to address, then it continues to get worse and you have no hope of getting beyond it. So yeah, this is, this is in my estimation, the most important thing we could talk about. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I think this is the crux of it all. Like if you can't discover the root cause of the problem in your life, which is alcohol, if you're having that issue, then you're never going to go into a life of sobriety or recovery. So, and some people struggle their whole life with realizing that alcohol is the problem. Yeah, well, I certainly struggled a lot longer than you did, didn't I? Well, <laughs> a couple, a, cu- a couple years, a couple give or take. Of I'm really bad at math, so like I, I, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, let's see, forty minus seventeen is what? <laughs> I don't know. Six hundred and twelve. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. So again, like I just, this is a really important a really important topic. It is a really important topic. Let me just ask you flat out, why do you think people struggle so much with that realization or that admitting that to themselves? Well, if I'm going to think about it in that in that way, like not related to me, just like in general, I think so many people have a struggle like a struggle facing up to alcohol being the root cause of problems in life is because alcohol as you like to say, has there it's um there has been propaganda like literally ever and I, I, it's really propaganda like okay well if I take a step back alcohol is a drug let's call it what it is like we think of heroin and cocaine like we think of those as drugs but like when we think of alcohol we think of alcohol as like a drink like it's coffee or milk or a Coke or something. It's just something you have like on a daily basis in your household. Like you don't keep heroin in your house because it's a drug, but like alcohol we keep in our house because it's just a drink, right? It's just a harmless little drink. So Mm -hmm. I feel like people in the world in general have problems, you know, isolating that alcohol is the issue in their life because we are not taught that alcohol is an issue at all. It's so crazy because like we know alcohol is bad and people get drunk and like, you know, it can be bad for some people. But when we're thinking about our lives in general, we don't ever think of, oh, it might be alcohol that's causing this. 
Like we just, we don't go there ever because it's just, it's sold to us and branded as something, you know, that you just like, it's just so normalized, you know, it's, it's supposed to be something that enhances your life. We use it as a tool to like celebrate or commiserate. And, you know, how are we supposed to know that this thing is killing us when we're shown images and fed all this propaganda, like for our entire lives? Yeah, you know? well, that is, that is one of the things that um, you hit on there that strikes something with me. And that is me personally, and it was oddly enough about the same age as you. I was about 13 when I started drinking. And whatever the age is, whatever the circumstances, for anyone who winds up with a, an alcohol problem, there was a starting point. And the thing about alcohol is that it is societally accepted and you look forward to it as you get older and, you know, it's something fun to do. You're not supposed to be doing it, but you're doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it with your friends and that further normalizes it because here's the thing. Alcohol doesn't come with a user's manual, right? Mm -hmm. There's no path for you to follow or to there's no signposts along the way that say oh here is the next thing you should be doing if you're a reasonable drinker and here's the next thing that you should be doing there's nothing like that going on mm -hmm. this is all brand new to you when you start off and whatever happens is normal because that's your experience with it mm -hmm. and it's further normalized again by the fact that you're doing it with all your friends and that all these other people are doing it. It just seems like, you know, part of the landscape after a while. So yeah, yeah, it's hard to identify coming yeah, out of the gate. Exactly. Like you see it on TV or your, your parents are doing it. Your friend's parents are doing it. Like if everyone's doing it, like why are you going to think it's bad? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, society definitely plays a huge role and that's so true. Like, and it, remi it reminds me, like, that reminds me of, like, when we were in school, like, I, I grew up in Texas, and I am i don't know how many places in America did this, but we had this thing called Red Ribbon Week, where for one week of the school year, it was about, like, drug awareness, and it was about just say no, and, like, all of that stuff. And, like, on one day, you'd have to wear crazy socks, or a crazy hat, or a crazy t-shirt, and, like, every single day was themed. But they always talked about you know, like heroin and they would show someone who started like who they would show someone with a mugshot with like, they're like, oh, they were arrested for weed when they were like 17. And then they'll show a picture like three years later and they're like, obviously have lived a terrible life and they're now addicted to very heavy, hard drugs. And they're like, that's what's going to happen if you do drugs. Yeah. And they always talk about drugs and that like and heroin, cocaine, like all that stuff. But like, they never talked about alcohol. Like, they'll be like, oh, you know, there is alcohol. Alcohol can be bad, but don't do heroin. That's going to mm -hmm. that's gonna ruin your life. But, like, do you know how many people's lives have been ruined over alcohol? And we never talk about that. Yeah, well, it certainly doesn't get talked about in the same light. No. And interestingly, though, we didn't have Red Ribbon Week when I was going to school here in Texas. But what mm -hmm. we did have is every so often they would show what I call these propaganda films to us just mm -hmm. randomly you'd show up in a class and it's today we're going to watch the film about the heroin addict and it would always be a story about some teenager who you know started off probably with pot and then progressed on to you know some other harder drug and ultimately wound up in a really shitty place right mm -hmm. so that was 
that was kind of forced down our throats a little bit when I was going to school. And the interesting thing to me, this is a, an irony from that, and I, I really do think that those those uh, films may have had an impact on me because even though I had started drinking at a relatively early age and all my other friends were doing it, there was no way, really, that I was going to do much in the drug world, right? I mean, I mm -hmm. experimented a little, but it always was in the back of my head that I'm not going to do these other drugs because those drugs are bad. But the irony is that as time progressed, you know, I was killing myself with alcohol, but I never viewed that in the same light at all. Exactly. Like as you're doing a drug, you're like, I'm not going to do that drug. Like that is bad, yeah. but I'm just going to keep doing this other drug and you don't even think about it as a drug. So like, yeah, I, mm -mm. So yeah, so I, I think that's one major point. Like drinking definitely doesn't come with the user's guide. It doesn't come with like, there's no one says anything to you about like, this is what, if yeah. you start drinking alcohol, like if you start experiencing these things, like you might have a problem or like this is bad and you shouldn't do that. But yeah. I mean, in America, like the party scene, the college scene, the binge drinking scene, it's so glorified. Mm. And like, I've said this before and you kind of hinted at it earlier that like, it's kind of like it's promised to you. Like you really just think that you're just going to grow up drinking. Mm -hmm. And so to like kind of tie it back, like how, yeah. like it's so hard to recognize that alcohol is even a problem when you're not even aware that it's a problem in the first place. Yeah. Well, and, and you have nothing to judge it by other than yeah. your own personal experience, especially when you're so young, but exactly. that's a, that's kind of a general overview, but let's get more specific about it. Yeah. As you were, were wrestling with it, for instance, why mm -hmm. do you think it was as difficult as it was for you <sighs> to admit that you were an alcoholic? I mean, what were the obstacles? Well, I think that is like a definitely a multi-tiered answer. There's several answers within that answer, but like I'll just start off by like, you know, I, I really didn't associate any of the problems that I was having in my life with alcohol. Like I'll even... The day that you took my car away from me because... Bad daddy. Bad, bad dad. But mm. my dad took my... When I was, what, eight, seven, 18? 18? Probably, probably 18. Like, yeah. I had just turned 18, actually, I remember. Um, and I had, like, essentially, like, ran away from home, like, moved out. I was... I moved into, like, my boyfriend at the time's house, and we were, like, getting fucked up every night. Um, and my dad knew that. And he had the foresight to take away my car because he didn't want me drinking and driving, which I was doing. So thank you for doing that. No problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, even when, even the, 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 during the moment that he was taking my car away from me and telling me like, you have a problem. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I just didn't even associate like, like you were telling me like, oh, alcohol is the cause of this. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just living my teenage life. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're freaking out. Every teenager does this. This is normal. Like, I just, I literally thought you were just like overreacting and being like crazy overprotective mm -hmm. because there was no way that, you know, alcohol could have been the root problem because in that situation. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. All the people mm -hmm. I hung out with did it for you sure. Know, yeah. The sadness of that to me is by that time in my life, having lived what I'd lived and seen what I've seen and worked with other alcoholics and stuff, I mean, it was very plain to me 
But as I sat and told this 18-year-old person, knowing that I was 100% correct, that you have this problem and this is something that's going to destroy you if you don't deal with it and deal with it in the proper way, knowing full well as those words are coming out of my mouth that it's not going to do any good. It's not going to change her mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's going to continue down this path. But still, you know, I felt compelled that to, to say it. I felt like I needed to say those things. Yeah. Because at some point, it was, you know, th- things were headed in a direction where she was going to have to confront it. And I thought it would be good, at least, to have that foundation started way back then. I mean, it was. There was literally no one else in my life, ever, ever in my life, who told me, you're an alcoholic. You're the only one who did that for me. Because mm. you are also an alcoholic and you were you were able to see it very mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, super thing. I, I, I attribute, I really attribute that to part of the reason I got sober so early in life is because I knew so early what it was. Yeah. Well, information is, is all that I could provide you at that point. And then you just sit back and, and wait until you have yeah. to do whatever you can do. But I think that's the point here. Like information is the thing that people are lacking, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So anyway, you move on from that point and, you know, you've had your car taken from you and from the outside looking at you, it's easy to see that you're, you're destroying yourself. I mean, you're not doing any of the things that normal human beings would want to do to feel good about themselves over. Yeah. But so, so at that point you're living the life and you're doing those things for, and you do that for a while. But as it became an issue for you, what do you think made it hard for you to, to, to cross over that gulf between denying that you have a problem and admitting that you have a problem? I just, you know, I think a a big part of it was like, I just didn't want to admit it. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to admit that I was an alcoholic because with the word alcoholic, comes a whole slew of really negative words like you and I obviously know this not to be true and -hmm. like other alcoholics and like other people who you know have abused alcohol know this to be true but when Mm -hmm. when you say that you have an alcohol abuse problem or that uh you are an alcoholic if people just it's just like this light goes off in their head and they're like oh you're that kind of person like they put you in a box Mm -hmm. like you're untrustworthy you have no morals you're irresponsible like that mm-hmm. whole thing. And mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to be that. I <laughs> I always wanted to be so agreeable and I wanted to be like what every when anyone else wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to go along with everything so badly that like I didn't want I didn't want something preventing me from making connections in my life. Mm-hmm. And without alcohol, I was terrified that I would never make another friend again. I was terrified I would never go on another date. I thought I would mm-hmm. never get married. I Because I had been living in an alcohol-infused life for so long that I literally didn't think life was possible without alcohol. Because like I was like, I, I have to go to Europe one day. I have to go to Vegas. Like, How are mm-hmm. you supposed to do any of these things without alcohol? Like, I was just There was just no way in my mind that you could live a life without alcohol. So no, You can't, can you? <laughs> Apparently, you can Eight oh, okay. years to the contrary. I, I don't know. I didn't think you could go to Europe without without drinking. Well, let me let me tell you, I've done it and it's really amazing. So, oh well, good hmm. times. That's but good. yeah, um, there was that, and you know, there's another part of it that I just, man, you were I, so young. I was so young. 
-hmm. And I didn't want any of that stigma attached to me. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't want, I really just didn't want to give up alcohol because I mean, we've kind of talked on this like a little in previous episodes, but like I had some pretty severe uh, self-esteem issues. Like I had always, always hated myself and I was always the, I was, I was always the one who got bullied. I was always the one who was made fun of in the friend group. Like, and I just let people shit on me because it was better to be shit on by people than to have no people around or like, that's what I thought in my head. So yeah, I I just, I had a lot of crazy self-esteem issues and I found my worth in others and never in myself. And the one thing that I found that I felt like reflected worth back into me was alcohol. Like alcohol was my one and only constant companion that made me feel good about myself ever. Like I never felt good about myself, but alcohol was the only thing that brought that to me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and like a lot of people have, have, have likened, you know, alcohol to being a relationship or a love and and losing it and mourning it. You really do have to mourn that once it's gone because Mm -hmm. alcohol to me was more than just a drink. It was like, it was my lifeline. And, you know, combined with all of these things, I mean, there's obviously like more, um, more struggles that I've had, like facing up to my alcoholism in general, but like just off of the top of my head, like that's what I remember like standing out to me in a really big way. Yeah. So well, but, like, I would ask you like, you know, in your mm-hmm. experience, cause our experience are obviously very different. So like, what would you say that, you know, were your biggest struggles that you can think of? They are very different, but they are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way they are different is when I was in my pre-drinking phase, I didn't really have any of those issues, at least not that I was aware of. Like self-esteem, you mean? Self-esteem issues. I mean, I, I was on, from my perspective, I was on the top of the mountain and I had no reason not to believe that, <laughs> you know, and um, even after I started drinking and there were a couple of people in my family primarily who would tell me that you can't drink. And of course, my response to that is... What do you know? What do you know? I'm smarter than you anyway, right? (laughs) So I went from there. But when I had my first catastrophe at 17, when I had this car crash I've referenced and got in trouble with the law and all that, it's like, to me, that just came out of the blue, right? Mm -hmm. My whole life, golden, up until that moment that that crash happened. And then all of a sudden, I was in this, this shit storm that I was not prepared for. You know, everything that I thought about myself came crashing down in a moment. But, you know, I've got this, as we all do, this, what I refer to as a residual self-image. You know, it's how you see yourself relative to the world. And the way I saw myself in the external world was a certain way. This car crash didn't fit into that world very much, right? So Mm -hmm. what I did is I started trying to rationalize about... uh, well, you know, all my friends drink and drive. It was just bad luck that it happened to me. You know, it could have happened to anybody. But what I ultimately set about doing, because this it, at that time I didn't recognize it, but this internal conflict had been created where I've got this external view of myself or how I want to present myself to the world versus this internal Dan who was being honest with himself a little bit about this is the thing that you've done. And it's it's not something you can necessarily escape. Well, I did my best to escape it. You know, I made all the excuses and rationalized everything to the point where 
I continued to drink because it was just a thing. Mm-hmm. But ironically, the more life went on, the more drinking became a negative influence in my life and other things began to happen, mm-hmm. whether they be big or small, stuff that just made me sick that I would, would have done them, you know, and, and, and it's stuff that other people didn't necessarily know about, but I knew. So this big pile of shit that had been growing in my life, my internal you know, gauge of myself uh, was becoming more and more negative, and I was becoming to loathe myself more and more. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, I've got this external thing going on with the rest of the world. This is who I want them to see, you know, whether it be when I was in college and, you know, certain friends or the professors I dealt with. And then when I graduated and went out in the workplace, it was, you know, my coworkers. I want them to see a certain Dan and my bosses and all that kind of stuff. This is the image I want to present, but steadily as time had gone on, on the inside, as I had continued to drink and continued to mass up this pile of things that I was really ashamed that I had done and, you know, having a harder time with depression and stuff like that, you know, so that conflict was always there for me. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I would say, you know, the reason I didn't confront it head on at the time I mean, it's never as simple as one thing, but this was a big thing. It was the fear of having to admit to all these people out there that I wasn't who I wanted them to think I was, you know, not that they even gave a shit, you know, but I did, right? So it was the fear of of having to admit something like that that kept me from doing it back then. That's huge. Well, it was to me at the time. And, you know, it remained a big deal. And, you know, I wrestled with it for decades, literally decades. So. I, I mean, that, that brings back such poignant memories for me. Just like, not, I mean, obviously I like cared what people thought about me. I mean, not in that way. Like I, I, I also wanted, I wanted an image. And like, even in high school, I had an image that I wanted to portray. Like I wanted to be like the cool, fun party girl. And even like, as I was getting older, I was like in college, I want to be the cool, fun party girl. I want to be the person that everyone calls for a really good time. And like, when they think of me, they think of a good time, blah, 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 blah. And like, I just wanted me and alcohol to come together to produce a good time so that other people would like me. Um, but on the inside, like alcohol was ripping me to shreds and there was just no way I could keep that relationship going. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. What about Jenny, Jenny? What? Yeah. For, a good, for a good time call. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what are we doing with lyrics right now? Yeah, Jenny, anyway. Jenny, who can I, t- okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but yeah, there, there is definitely, um, a struggle I would say and like just not being like for me like kind of bouncing off of what you said like for me not being mm-hmm. able to like I didn't I just didn't want that I didn't want mm-hmm. to admit that I didn't want that on Mm-mm. me at all I just wanted to be completely Mm-mm. separate from that and I never wanted to have anything to do with it yeah. any of the stigma any of the anything but I mean like and if we're gonna like I don't know I mean, now, now more like now that we're talking about it a little bit more and more is coming like back into my mind about like everything, you know, that's gone on. I feel like even in like my relationships back when I was drinking as crazy and as abusive of some of them were like even the, the person, one of the people that I was with, I mean, like we would literally like get into physical altercations while we were drunk. And like, I remember 
you know, one night, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe we won't get in to the details, but there were definitely some, some bad domestic violent issues that happened while we were drinking. And I would wake up in the morning and, you know, I wouldn't even, and even like when we were drunk and like, like the, 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 the physical fights and everything that was happening, I wasn't blaming alcohol. Mm-mm. Like I wasn't thinking like, oh, it's because we're wasted out of our minds and we've been wasted for like a year straight now. Like that's, uh, and our mental state is completely falling apart. Like that's not why we're fighting. We're mm-hmm. fighting because he's an asshole and he did this and he did that. Mm-hmm. And it just has nothing to do with the alcohol. That That's so poignant because you're not looking at your life, trying to make an, a, a judgment about alcohol at that point. That's just your life. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what's going on. Exactly. And drinking is just a part of it. And you're not trying to make a value judgment about your use of alcohol at that point, you know, and I don't think anybody does. No, like even not, in the problems you're having in like your day-to-day life, like even in your, within your relationships, like alcohol yeah. is the last thing because like, and I've, I've made this point before. I don't know if I made it on the podcast or not, but like uh, so many people view alcohol as just like a daily thing you do. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's very benign. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's as benign as like brushing your teeth or clipping your toenails or like taking a shower. Like drinking is just something that you do like on a daily basis for some people. And and if you drink on a daily basis, it's accepted by most people. Yeah. No, that's the um, truth. Yeah, ahead. what I was going to say is that this is my my experience with that mm-hmm. idea. I had this this crash thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't ignore the fact, you know, I had all these people in my life. Well, I say all these. There were a number of family members who were telling me at that point, obviously you can't drink. Well, to me, that wasn't the issue. The issue was... I had bad luck is how I ultimately rationalized oh. it, that it could have happened to anybody. I just need yes. to be more careful. I need to not drink and drive. Maybe maybe mm. that's the answer or not to do it so much or, you know, those kinds of things. But also about that time, I began to have, well, actually, it was a little before that. It was, you know, when I was in my mid-teens and I'd been drinking for a little while, I started having to deal with a lot of depression, right? Mm-hmm. Which was also shocking to me because it's not something that I'd ever had to deal with and it didn't fit into my self-image, right? So I had to fight that as part of it. And the further along I went in my drink career, the worse that depression and, and those kinds of things got. Mm-hmm. And it never occurred to me while that was going on that, you know, this this drinking might be the direct cause of this depression that you're feeling. Never even occurred to me. It's just that, you know, I don't feel good about myself. You know, I've got all these things that have happened to me. Why are all these things happening to me? I got this big pile of shit that's growing. And, you know, I don't like this pile of shit. So I'm going to put this other image out into the world and I'm going to hide this big pile of shit. And, you know, but you still, you the bigger the pile of shit get, the har- gets, the harder it gets for you to feel okay about yourself. And then you discover, well, when I drink, I get relief from that. And everything's okay again for a little while. But then, you know, you have to wake up the next day and you're not drunk anymore or you're not drunk again at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And you then again have to confront that pile of shit. And the other thing that they don't tell you is that what alcohol does at its core is it rips at the core of you and it diminishes you and it erodes away your self-esteem. And all these little bitty things that you do that really shouldn't be that big of a deal they all have an impact they 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 take you down a notch or two they take you down just a little bit and 
you know. So you drink again to feel better, and then you do for a while, and then you get sober, and then you feel a little bit worse than you felt the last time. So ultimately you drink again, and it's just a vicious cycle that spirals itself down. And God, I mean, I don't know how long it was before it finally dawned on me that just the drinking itself is probably the primary cause of the mental conditions that you're dealing with that you're not comfortable with. You know, but it it did. It took a long time to get to that point. I mean, just two things that I want to say listening to that is one, you said like you blamed it on bad luck. Mm -hmm. Like literally me. Like I would blame like everything else. Like if something happened to me alcohol related, I'd be like, oh, it's because it's because of that person or it's because of this or because of that. Like I mm-hmm. like literally bad luck or, you know, I'm drinking because of this or I'm drinking because of that. Like or somebody it, mistreated me. Exactly. Like there's so many excuses that you would use mm-hmm. and like you trick yourself every day is the crazy thing. Like mm-hmm. you wake up every day and you're like, my life is terrible. It's just terrible. Like I have to do something about it. And then like you'll go through your day and something will happen. Like something good will happen or something bad will happen. And you'd be like, oh, I need alcohol to like celebrate or I need alcohol to like drink my sorrows away. And it's just like such a vicious cycle. You're right. And the other thing is the mental health aspect. Mm -hmm. I still have scars, not physical scars, but like mental scars that I still deal with, not on a daily basis, but alcohol ruined my mental health like ruined and I don't mean like like oh it was just like kind of bad like I was bedridden for eight months not not because you were physically ill no because I was so mentally ill and like that's a whole other discussion but like Mm -hmm. I was so OCD I was so depressed like I was I was well, you were traumatized after I was yeah. so like it's it's so crazy like I literally I couldn't I couldn't eat I, I couldn't drink anything I, I couldn't sleep like I would go days without drinking or eating anything and <laughs> as drinking she means like water yeah water like like yeah, not alcohol yes 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 um and like I was like OCD like germs like I couldn't touch anything I couldn't go outside I Mm. I I I couldn't I would have to I would have other people touch my stuff before I could touch it in order to feel safe like but I I couldn't I could not function as a human being because of alcohol like I I had OCD tendencies when I was little like I used to be I used to be afraid to like ride the school bus to school but on the way home like I could ride the school bus I was ter- I was terrified of the school bus and like it made no sense and like mental health wasn't a topic back in the day and I didn't know that was OCD like at an early age but like mm-hmm. my parents used to have to literally take me to school because like I refused like I would freak out cry like I could not get on the school bus to go to school anyway so I had OCD before I started drinking but by yeah. the time by the time I was 21 and by the time I had gotten sober just within those few years from like 17, 18 and to 21, mm-hmm. my, I, my brain was, I should have been in a mental hospital. Like I could not function as a human being. I literally didn't leave the house for eight months. And again, not because I physically couldn't, but because I mentally couldn't. I was agoraphobic, panic attacks, the, the anxiety, the depression, the derealization. Like I was living in a constant panic attack for like 
months, almost mm-hmm. a year. Like that was, oh my God, the mental, oh, and it's crazy. It's so crazy. Like, and you're so right. They don't talk about that when, when you talk about alcohol, but alcohol rips you apart mm-hmm. in oh, so really many bad. ways, but mentally, like, and again, I still feel the scarring from that. Like I still yeah. have residual like things that I have to deal with again, not on a daily basis, but like, mm-hmm. Oh, I sorry. I just I went on a tangent on that one, but I felt that one so deeply because like and if it, it impacted my life in such a huge way, like I couldn't function. I couldn't yeah, function. It and let me say this, and um, you may have described it well enough, but you had just endured a number of years of um, severely abusing alcohol. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a daily thing for you for a while. Oh yeah, for years. And there's no way that you can do that without having some pretty substantial impacts to your physicality, your mental mm-hmm. health, and your brain, the physical brain itself. You know, it it endures quite a lot uh, doing that. So, but it also stands to reason from that that even someone who did not engage the way you had engaged would suffer some sort of impact because of it. You know, yeah. the, more, the more you do it, the more severe it is, obviously. But that doesn't exactly. mean if you do it less than that that you're not impacted. Oh, my God, Especially for sure. Like... For people like you and me, mm-hmm. when, you know, alcohol, one of the things that, that I think that alcoholics across the board share is that factor of if I drink, there will be a price to pay. There is going to be a price to pay, no matter mm-hmm. if anything bad happens or not. Just the physical act of drinking and your body process and that alcohol is going to have a, a, very, a very deleterious impact on you on the other side of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like even I've met several like people who don't consider themselves alcoholics, but who abused alcohol like pretty severely, like over the weekends. And it was just like in- interfering with their life and whatever. And they just the, the amount, even, even like the weekend drinkers, I would say like the way that alcohol impacted their mental health was astounding. Like it's, it's not, you don't exactly what dad said. You don't have to be like severely, severely abusing alcohol to feel its effects. You can use alcohol on like a semi-regular basis and it can still like really fuck with you. We're telling war stories, if you will. But I mean, as far as the issue, the topic of why do people have such a hard time getting there? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've identified... A number of things, one of which being fear, a big one being fear. Mm-hmm. You're afraid of what people are going to think of you. You're afraid of what you're going to think of yourself. Yeah. Another one, in a less tangible way probably, is that it's a hard thing to recognize because you you grow up in your drinking without any warnings, without any you know pre-advanced knowledge of, you know, if I see this kind of behavior, I better, you know... No, you don't know that because this is just your normal. Another thing is, um, for some people, you know, I don't know if there's a pride aspect to it, you know. I'm not one of these people who can't handle drinking, you know, and not wanting to let go of it for that reason. I mean, Mm -hmm. you in particular, you know, you talked about the relationship that you had with alcohol and it was like the air that filled your balloon sort of thing. And I think that might've been the most significant part of it to you, aside from the fact that you were just so young and, you know, I've told you this many times too, that it's it's remarkable for someone to get sober at the age you got sober at. 
Oh, shucks, daddy. Yeah, well, it's the truth. <laughs> but it's also a little remarkable, too, for someone to be as far gone into it as you were at such an early age. I know what happens. But, yeah. You know, the, but the crazy thing is that's happening more and more frequently now. Well, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, alcohol is just, it is, it is a drug, but it is also a poison. Like, yeah. And I, I don't want to bash anyone who drinks because I don't think like if you drink, you're like a bad person, but like it, you're, you, it's a poison and you know, it's, it's so toxic and not, I mean, just the things it does to your body, like in general is just insane. Like alcohol causes yeah. cancer. Alcohol is just like so bad for you. Like physically on every level but yeah well that's not really the issue though because mm -hmm. there are plenty of people out there in the world who can drink regularly and you know it's not yeah. a problem for them and i would be and one the, of those people if i wasn't an alcoholic you know yeah we wouldn't yeah. even be having if, this conversation if, if you were somebody else then you would be one of those <laughs> if i if i were someone else i would be someone else but yeah. um yeah i mean kind of just to circle it back it's just this is such a hard thing to to grapple with because I mean there is so much fear there's so much confusion I think that's a thing too there's so much confusion as to what alcohol it's like people think you only have to stop drinking if you're an alcoholic and if you hit rock bottom yeah. and like everyone is like oh I'm not there yet I haven't hit rock bottom yet like I haven't ruined my life I haven't ruined my marriage I haven't lost my job I haven't done any of those things so I must not have a drinking problem so I must yeah, I can still drink. And well, that's an, an interesting thing. And I know, here's the thing. I, I, I saw this with you, obviously, and, and understood what was going on at the time. But you have confronted people or come across people in your life, people whom you care about, who, you know, struggle with their issues with alcohol. And, you know, they don't... I mean, the reactions that you get from those people are the same kind of reactions that you gave to me when you were on the other side of the abyss, right? Yeah. They're the same reactions that I gave to other people in my life um, when they would confront me about alcohol. You know, there's a lot of denial. And those people are as sure as sure can be that we don't know what we're talking about. And perhaps we just, you know, don't have the ability to discern between people with alcohol problems and people who are just socially drinking because we're alcoholics. First, I wanted to say that I understand that the things that we're talking about, the, the bad things that we're talking about here relative to alcohol, apply to a certain set of individuals, right? And not everybody falls into this category. So I'm not talking about everybody when I talk about these things. But it is also very common for me to see a situation and to see a person who is in the throes of this, who for the life of them can't even contemplate that they might be an alcoholic or have a drinking problem. Well, like an old guy used to tell me in AA, he said they haven't done enough research yet. They got to go do some more research. Yeah. But it's uh yeah, it's a pretty universal thing, which is indicative of how hard it is. It's not that those people are being knuckleheads and just stubborn. Yeah. They it's, honestly don't believe it. Exactly. Right? That's the thing. It's just such a, it's like, that's so, that's exactly it. I think it's just such a thing. That's just like, I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. Yeah. That's not, I me. don't do that. That's not mm -hmm. me. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, you had your experience, and God bless you, but that's not me, right? Exactly. Yeah, but, well, partner, I've seen it many times, and yeah, that is you. But, you know, you can't tell somebody this either. That's the thing. This, no, is, this yeah. is not something you can talk somebody into. They've got to come to it on their own. No, I mean, even to bring it back, like, you literally took my car when I was 18 and told me, I'm taking your car because you're an alcoholic, and I think you're going to... I, you're, you're going to drink and drive. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to hurt someone. And it took me, I have to do math, 18, 19, 20, 20. It took me three years. God help it. It took me three years, even after you said that, to do my own research. Because like mm-hmm. I saw the proof in front of me. You were literally taking away my car. I had dropped mm-hmm. out of college. I didn't have a job. I was in an abusive, crazy relationship. Well, it wasn't really abusive at the time, but I mean, I knew that I, I knew who I was dating. I knew, I knew the person I was dating was a drug addict. I was like, oh, he's a drug addict. Like he's an alcoholic. Like I had, I had known that about him, but, but I was I'm like, open, not, I'm open-minded. I'm cool. But you not know, me. I can, I can deal with that. It's not me. Like that's him. No. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it, like, even that's exactly it. I think it's, it's, you have to. And like, it's not even that you have to hit rock bottom. You just have to experiment with alcohol enough to let it fuck up your life enough for you to realize like my life is out of order. I don't know what I can do to put it back in order. And then like, if, if you're, if you're drinking a lot and if that's kind of like a thing in your life, if that's a theme, if you're getting into trouble, you know, at like school or work or, you know, your relationships are suffering or, mm. you know, you're having like self-image stuff. Like if all of these things are happening and you just so happen to be drinking at the same time, I just want people to like know that like it might be because of the alcohol that you think is helping you. It's not yeah. helping you. <laughs> well, and I don't, I don't say this to contradict you at all. I'm not contradicting you when you say that you don't have to hit rock bottom. I'm going to revisit Alcoholics Anonymous for a minute. And the way they talk about this, and in my experience, I found it to be absolutely true. Um, That a person does have to hit bottom before they finally find themselves in a position to seek help or to try to get better or to do something about it. But Mm -hmm. what hitting bottom is, is different for different people. Exactly. In fact, I would be referred to in an AA room as a high bottom drunk you know yeah i didn't i didn't have to wind up completely in the gutter you know alcohol has cost me plenty in my life i'm not suggesting that it hasn't i mean it it altered the course of my life in a major way Mm -hmm. but but i didn't you know lose my house i didn't lose my career over that you know so but there are those people who have to get to that point before they finally wake up and go my God, what have I done? Exactly. And until until you have gotten to that point, you know, it's just tough. It's a tough sell because yeah. you keep telling yourself, no, this is not me. That's them. This is not me. I can handle it. You know, and that's an interesting thing. I think I might have talked about this before with me. I set up rules for myself, even like not drinking and driving, not drinking the day before I'd go to work, those kinds of things. And I would adhere to those rules, right? So I would tell myself, see, that's not me. I got I'm, this under control. I'm so jealous of everyone who made rules because I've heard that in rehab. I've heard that in AA. I never had the, <laughs> the strength to make rules. I was just like, well, give me whatever. Also, 
Give me you whatever's around. Young, though. You, you yeah. were young, though. You didn't have to. See, I was That's always true. looking for things, ways to rationalize whatever my behavior was. That's true. So, but you never really had to, to go through adult life. You know, yeah, no, I, I didn't. I, I was living, I was living uh, the college-aged party life binge drinkers dream. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but, but, uh, but I did want to say that I totally agree with you on the rock bottom thing because everyone thinks of rock bottom as like this, like in the gutter. They think like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to wind up in like a dumpster and like have five dollars in your pocket and that's it. Like that's mm-hmm. what everyone think a bottom is. But like, you're so right, and. And people, everyone, when, when they think of alcohol abuse, and like I've said this earlier, but like everyone thinks you have to hit the point of rock bottom in order to be considered someone who has an alcohol problem. But mm-hmm. I mean, your bottom could be, you know, it's 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 interfering with the relationship with my kids. Like I'm not performing mm-hmm. as well at work as I could be. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be an alcoholic in order to like realize that alcohol is having a negative effect on your life and that you should, you know, stop or maybe Mm -hmm. you just want to remove it from your life like it doesn't you don't have to end up in a gutter to get there and i think that i think that is a huge reason why people have such a hard time admitting alcoholism or getting sober is because people who are high bottomed like you or like anyone else who hasn't dealt with like being in a gutter Mm -hmm. they think like oh i'm not there yet i'm not that Mm. kind of drinker so it's not even like an option for me. Well, here's a common phenomenon too. And I know that you've experienced this also with people whom are, you know, important to you as well as yourself probably. And it's certainly true for me. I've experienced this many times. I drink and thrash myself because of it, right? I have to endure the pain of having, you know, made that choice. And it lasts for days, and it's just this dark cloud that stays with you. But then, you know, the third day, the cloud starts to lift, and the fourth day, it's, you know, almost sunny. And, you know, before long, everything's just fine, and you're telling yourself by then, you know, it's really not that bad. It's not that big a deal. And it gets you back in a frame of mind where you're able to do it again, Mm -hmm. you know, because... I mean, you've seen it happen, Tara. You know, when, when people put a little distance between themselves and whatever the bad thing is, then they have a way to rationalize it where it's not that big a deal. And, yeah, you know, just made it out to be something other than what it was. And it's okay. I can do it. Yeah. You know, and that's a cycle that repeats itself over and over and over. Absolutely. That's yeah. that's such a big one. It's like once you get a couple days distance from like any mm-hmm. mistakes or any wrongdoing you've done with alcohol, like, oh, it was just a bad day. Mm-hmm. Was, it, it was this person's fault. It was that person's mm-hmm. fault. It was because I, you know, lost my lunch money or <laughs> gum got stuck on my shoe or something stupid, you know, like you can rational. You, it's, it's crazy. The mental gymnastics that you can play with yourself. Mm hmm. That will lead you to the point of saying, oh, well, no, it wasn't alcohol. I can do it again, but this time it'll be fine. Like, I'm going out. I'm going to have fun with my friends. I'm going to do whatever. But also, that reminds me of another point why people have problems admitting. It's because a lot of people in your life tell you that you don't have a problem. Maybe that was was just me. But, like, I had so many people in my life telling me, no, like, it's you're just young or you know everyone drinks i remember 
not that this is important, but I like when I first got sober and I was like mentally well enough to like engage with people, which is like maybe a year plus out from getting sober. I remember talking to this girl I went to high school with and like I knew she had had like a kid recently. I was like, oh, maybe she doesn't drink. (laughs) She has a kid, like maybe whatever. So I messaged her and I was like, hey, like, how have you been? I'm back in town. Like, would love to catch up. And she's like, yeah, like I work these days, but like, let's go out on Saturday night, like to this bar. And I was like, oh, like I'll go, but I don't drink. And she was like, why don't you drink? And I was like, well, because I'm an alcoholic. And she was like, you're not like, you can't. it's just like, and like, I don't remember specifically what she said, but like, I was like, well, yeah, I am. I just went to rehab. And like, I tried to explain it to her. And, she, and then she sent me this like long message of like, basically like, I'm sorry, you've been brainwashed, <laughs> like, whatever. But like, there's so many people in your life who will tell you, you know, that one alcoholism isn't real. It's all about self-control. And, you know, there's such a stigma. It's funny, the stigma about alcoholics is the stigma that, like, backfires on you when you're trying to get sober because mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, you, you can control it and, like, it's a thing. It's fine. So, I mean, it's not yeah. just it's not just you telling yourself that, like, no, I don't have a problem. It's also, like, the rest of the world saying, no, it's not a problem. Like everyone does it. It's fine. And maybe that was more of like a young person experience thing. I don't know if you ever experienced that personally, but that was something I definitely struggled with. Like I had several people be like, man, like, I'm sorry that someone told you that, but like, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah, I had that experience in a way. I didn't have that act experience because when I was young like that, I never said out loud that I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but still, I'm, I might have a time where I would do something that I was just felt really bad about myself over, but I would get encouragement from other people who, ironically enough, were people who drank a lot too, right? <laughs> so you you get that you get that reinforcement from your circle certainly, and that that is an impediment to to you facing up to yourself. But. Yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, once you're in a circle of drinking and once you're drinking so heavily, your circle becomes heavy drinkers. For my experience, maybe not for everyone, but for my experience. And if you're, if you're in a circle of heavy drinkers and you're like, Hey, am I drinking too much? They're like, no. Yeah. Like I'm I'm drinking the same amount and I'm fine. Yeah. They're not, but. Yeah. I ain't hooked. I've been snorting snorting cocaine 15 years. I ain't hooked. (laughs) What's that from? Uh, It's from Richard Pryor. He's so funny. Yeah, he can be. Or he could be. I don't guess he can anymore. Aw, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well. We've been talking a while. We have been talking a while. It's it's been a while. This is probably one of our longer episodes. But I, I I, I mean, obviously there's like, Maybe this didn't even barely scratch the surface, but I mean, this is kind of like our first impression, like what we think our personal struggles were, what our biggest ones were. And, you know, again, like, not again, I don't think I've said this yet, but I mean, this is such a massive topic and it's really hard to just sit and articulate absolutely everything within, you know, an hour's well, time. Ever, you know, no, because everybody's true. story is is unique unto themselves. Even though exactly. everybody's story is is at the at the core, it's the same as everybody else's story. But exactly, 
you know, no, this is something that we could and should talk about a lot more because, like yeah. I said at the beginning, I think this there isn't a more important thing that we could talk about. If if the point of this podcast is for people who are struggling with the notion of whether or not they're alcoholics and what they should do about it, if if the point is for people like that to listen, then there's not a more important thing to talk about. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, like Dad said, this is something we'll talk about again because it's just so it's so crucial that people in general just be able to recognize that, like, even if you're not an alcoholic and, I mean, even if you are, like, there are definitely things that all people who struggle with alcohol abuse have in common. Like, and there's so much of Dad's story that I resonate with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so much of my, his, or vice versa like I'm it's late whatever um but you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's again big topic something we'll talk about again but uh anything else you want to say dad before we log off for the night there is nothing else I would like to say tonight okay cool so I guess we'll end it here thank you guys so much for listening to episode number five um, I would just like to say that um, all of our episodes um, are hitting pretty crazy numbers. And, you know, I, I literally I literally did not think very many people would listen. Like, I thought it would take a much longer time to get to kind of where we are. But, man, that's, thank you. That's just me listening to it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, is that you on all the computers in the house just, like, playing yeah. it over and over again? Well, yeah. never mind, guys. I guess no one's listening. I guess thanks, Dad. For playing our episodes over again. Oh, I didn't. I meant not to say that. Anyway, (laughs) but um, yeah. Seriously, I really, me and Dad really appreciate it, and it's just so it's so crazy to me and maybe to Dad that people are actually listening to things we have to say. Hmm. But thank you so much. Um, it would really, really help us if, um, whatever, whatever platform you're listening on, if you want to like subscribe or follow and leave a rating, if you could leave a rating, that would be so huge because we're not really being picked up in the algorithm right now for like sobriety and recovery podcasts. So if you want to give us a rating, give us a follow, a subscription, uh, whatever, um, I would be super appreciative and I'm sure by proxy dad would be super appreciative. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for listening. We have an Instagram that you can follow also at alcohol.isms. Got a lot of call to actions going on tonight. Um, taking this super professionally. But um, thank you guys for listening. Again, I'm so appreciative that, you know, y'all are here. And I'm just really thankful that, you know, me and dad are able to have these conversations. Because honestly, I wouldn't be where I am today without these conversations that I've been having with my dad for the last 20 years. Like genuinely. I love you, dad. I love you too, sweetie. Oh, okay. We'll see you on the next one. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whatever you're doing. And we shall see you later. Bye.